0: Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon.
1: We've been praying um, for Hong Kong recently, and um, in fact, this week I actually felt to call some of the prophets um, that I'm connected with, and together, just, a, a, small, uh, of of our, just a, a small group of some of our just spontaneously gathered a small group of some of our. Um, council, Australian prophetic council members, just to hear what is the Lord saying, because um, in the newspapers, some of you might have seen that you know the stock market jitters and stuff going on, and you know I really believe that as people of God, we should be hearing from the Lord what's happening and what the Lord's saying, and so I, I, I jumped on the phone. I talked to um, James Gall. I talked to Dan McCullum. I uh, I got. I, got, um, I talked to. David Balestri, and I got Nathan Christie, and Sarah, um, and Darrell Crawford Marshall, and myself, and and Daniel jumped on too. And we just had a bit of a discussion about what what in the world's going on? And I'd heard a few people had sent me a few words about different things, and so I just wanted to discern, because how many of us know that we prophesy in part? And so it's important to bring the parts together and also to discern words as well. And the the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, as in Jesus, the answer, the hope, the redeemer, has to be at the center of every prophetic word. So we had a really interesting conversation uh, about what they were seeing uh, for Hong Kong, for China. Uh, It was very encouraging, actually, uh, the opportunities that are coming and the preparations that should be made in the body of Christ to, to flood in with the gospel and see the, the gospel also flood out, hallelujah, uh, and what the Lord wants to do and how to pray. But when I asked them about, you know, what are you, thinking, what are you hearing about the economy and all this sort of stuff? Almost across the board, all of them said, yeah, not really hearing any drama. Actually, I, I, think, it's just a, um, I think it's just a distraction And then I remembered a word that I um, released on the Elijah list on the 2nd of August, and it was about beware of the distractions. And I think it's so important, I, I encouraged myself, I was like, yay, praise the Lord, we're all hearing from the same source, this is a good thing. That in fact, rather than buying into the drama and looking at the big waves as they come. When Peter was walking on the water, as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he wasn't moved. And as long as he kept his face focused, the, the, the waves were just a temporary distraction. And I really believe that what's going on, what has been going on this week is just a temporary distraction for what is a season of divine favour and a window of opportunity for harvest like we've never seen before. And that we need to be very careful not to be distracted by um, the little foxes that would try to spoil the vine, the waves that would try to come. And, and others say, you know, it, it talks about in the book of Ecclesiastes, he, um, he who observes the wind uh, never sows. You know, we're not to be, be, be looking at, at the, um, the world and the things that are going on and panicking, but instead recognizing what's the Spirit saying? And all of the prophets were of the same, um, of the same mind that it, actually, no, we're not seeing economic disaster. We're not seeing any of that right now. We're just seeing this window of favor and opportunity for harvest and for the body of Christ to keep their eyes steadfastly fixed on him. And it's gonna be a season of great opportunity, hallelujah, for uh, for. in in every area of life for the kingdom of God to be expanded, resourced, and the blessing of God um, as we continue to fix our eyes on him. You seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, hallelujah. So it was very encouraging uh, to talk with the prophets and then also to be hearing the strategies of heaven and what God wants for us. You know, The heart of God is that we would live undistracted lives lives that aren't filled with fear and panic and worry and turmoil, but that we would live lives that were marked by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. I shared on Friday night um, about peace and what it looks like to walk in perfect peace. Who was here on Friday? Hallelujah, I do encourage you to have a listen to the message. and we were talking about what it looks like to live in perfect peace and perfect joy, and um, and you know, challenging people: Are you known as someone who is a generally happy person? Are you known as someone who carries joy? If not, it's not talking about a personality type; it's talking about a character. And his character, his delight. He says, "In us." He he lives in us and we in Him. We have His heart, His nature. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, faith, meekness, all the good things. That is who we are and that is what we should be known by. But we often deceive ourselves by allowing ourselves to get dragged into the dramas that occupy our minds and then out of the abundance of our hearts, the mouth speaks. And instead of walking into someone's house and being able to release our peace, we walk into someone's house and we're like, drama, 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 all the things that are going on, because it's what's going on in your heart. God wants to bring us into a place of perfect peace, amen? Hallelujah, so we're gonna talk today about what it looks like to walk in supernatural peace. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for today. Oh God, we celebrate you. Prince of Peace. Father, I thank you that as we step into this new season, God, even as as coming up to the the new year, Father, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, bring your church to a place of maturity where they are able to practise peace where they are able to practice what it looks like to walk in supernatural peace, in supernatural joy, to be people who have godliness with contentment. God, that they would know what it looks like to deeply satisfy themselves daily with the, the blessing that you have for them every day, the daily bread that you have for them. Lord, I'm, I'm speaking and asking and decreeing a blessing over the personal prayer lives of each and everyone here, that they may become super saturated continually with supernatural peace and joy. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, we're talking about supernatural peace, and. For me, it's a very, this is a very personal subject because my personality tends to be a little bit reactive when it comes to things. Like if it's happy news, "Ah, happy, you get a reaction. If it's difficult news, it's like "Ah," you get a reaction. And I, I have to train myself and be deliberate not to live in drama. I have to be very deliberate not to get anxious, not to get worried, not to get fearful. I mean, I look at Tom and I I look at Daniel and they never seem to be bothered by what other people think or what's going on. And I'm like, "Ah, ah." I have this tendency to be concerned, to be worried, to be, what could happen? But praise God, in Philippians 4, it tells us that we're not to be anxious for anything but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make our requests known to God and the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the heart of God is that we would walk continuously in peace that passes understanding. That peace that isn't circumstantial, but is supernatural. Where it, it's just we have this supernatural peace, a supernatural joy. It's what the kingdom of God is, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so as I was um, just today spending time with the Lord, I, I love to get alone with the Lord and take personal communion. And as I was getting ready to take the bread, I was meditating on the scripture, surely he has borne our sorrows. You've borne my griefs. You've carried my sorrows. And as I was looking at the bread, I was thinking about this one who was chastised for our peace. But as I started to, to go to to just unpack the way I do, all the, all the worries, all the issues, I, I think about them, I pray, and I ask God for help. I thank him for the answer. I make declarations, and I see those things actually go from me and onto the bread. And that's my daily delight, hallelujah, to unpack and cast my cares on the Lord. But today I just really I, I thought about this chastised he was chastised for my peace and I wanted to know more. God, what is this? What is this really about? And I began to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I wanna if you wouldn't mind turning with me, we're gonna to turn to Matthew chapter twenty six and and just read about this when Jesus was in the garden. Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. Hallelujah. If you're on your phone, don't look at the notifications and go down a rabbit trail. (laughs) Hallelujah. When I'm studying the scripture, if I am using my iPad, I actually have to turn it onto airplane mode. Otherwise, I find myself accidentally going down. Oh, there's a news update. Whoa, no, focus, Catherine. Hallelujah. Anybody else like me? Just a few, hallelujah, praise the Lord. God bless you people who are much more disciplined than that, hallelujah. We're gonna read (laughs) about Jesus in the garden. Hallelujah. Excuse me, a new Bible here. We're gonna turn, if you would, um, to verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, "'Sit here while I go and pray over there.' And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, "'My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, and for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Now, I think it's interesting that three times Jesus came and talked to the disciples. Three times he went to pray. Three disciples went with him, and three times, Peter was tempted and fell. You know, when we we don't stop to pray, we get weak. Jesus said, pray lest you fall into temptation. Three times he was trying to get them. He knew that very night Peter was going to be tempted. And yet, it was just too hard, physically they thought. But the Holy Spirit wanted to strengthen them, wanted to help them, hallelujah. And as I look at it, um, you can read it again in in Luke chapter 22, we read about Jesus' sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. It's a a remarkable story. You can have a look if you like in um, the Passion Translation, Luke 22, hallelujah, and we read Just what was going on there, this mental anguish, this emotional sorrow that Jesus was going through. And in fact, on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, he was walking through the Valley of Kidron, the Kidron Valley, where the Garden of Gethsemane is. The Kidron Valley is known as as a place of sorrow, as a place of, of darkness. And in fact, at that time, with all the slaughter of all the Passover lambs that would have been happening on the Thursday night, they estimate probably about a quarter of a million lambs would have been slain at at the Passover, and the water also being poured out for their ritual cleansings, um, that the Kidron Valley actually would have been flowing with, with blood and water. And it was the same valley that... David came out of Jerusalem weeping because he had been betrayed by Absalom. And by the time Jesus got to Gethsemane, he was feeling such heaviness and such sorrow. For he knew, he knew what was coming, that his friends, his closest friends were going to betray him. He knew the pain and the anguish and and his heart was so vexed and he was so stressed and he was so... Uh, full of agony, the scripture says. Let's read it in in the Passion Translation here, in Luke 22, hallelujah. Says here, Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, as was his habit, and went to the Mount of Olives, the place of secret prayer. Remember, Jesus had a habit of secret prayer. He had a habit, as was his habit. Do you have a habit? If you don't have a habit, the Lord so wants you to understand the value and the strength that comes when you personally take time to wait on him. You know, my very first sermon was when I was about 14 years old. I dressed up in my nightie, my old pink flannelette 90, and I, I did a, a little devotion talk in front of the youth group about your personal prayer time. And that, that message has actually been my life message. Because if we get that intimacy personally with God right, then we get everything. But it is that that is the most contested thing that you'll ever experience in your life. There'll be so many good things trying to be the enemy of the best. There'll be so many things trying to distract you and keep you from it. Yet we must fight for the secret place, amen? We need to take time, for me, I, I have that special time with the Lord, but then I also just take opportunities, like when sunset happens, to race outside for five, 10, 15 minutes, however long I can get, and talk again with the Lord, intentionally with him. And, and Jesus had a habit of his secret place. He had a habit, and he went to the Mount of Olives, his secret place, his place of secret prayer. There he told the apostles, keep praying for strength to be spared from the severe test of your faith that's about to come. Then he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you're willing to take this cup of agony away from me, but no matter what, your will must be be mine. Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him and the angel appeared. He prayed even more passionately like one being sacrificed until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood, dripping onto the ground. Two things here: I, you know, as he was praying, and whether he asked for it or whether the angel just God just sent the angel, he an angel came in the midst of his agony to minister to him and strengthen him. Do you know, in the midst of your agony, in the midst of your prayer, in your in the midst of your prayer times, in the midst of your difficult circumstances. God sends ministering spirits. I remember having a prayer meeting once in my home, um, and I just just as the prayer meeting before the prayer meeting, I received some really sad news, and I was really distressed, really really upset. And as we were praying that morning, I opened my eyes and I saw an angel standing with us in the prayer circle. And I was just, I, I burst into tears. I was so encouraged to know that God knows He cares. He cares. When you are weeping, He, he, he cares. He has compassion for you. And He sends His ministering angels. And, and, and a ministering angel was there. And yet the agony continued to the point that He was sweating great drops of blood that actually fell onto the ground. Now, I had a conversation with Emily today because... Emily's a nurse, and I was trying to look up all the medical terms about what's all of this about, this sweating great drops of blood. So I asked Emily if you can give her a microphone. Um, come on up, Em, and y- she knows what she's talking about um, when it comes to this. Come and tell them what this is, what
0: this is about, <laughs> medically. This is my daughter. Hello. <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking about this this morning, and... So she asked me to give you a little background on hematidrosis, which is the very long and very fancy medical term for when someone sweats blood. And looking into it, um, it's caused mostly by uh, when people experience extreme fear or extreme stress. And to give a little bit of a a physiology about how people feel stress, um, I use the example of plovers. Uh, I don't know anyone who's She's faced with has been a bit nervous of the
1: plovers coming out and swooping her when she goes to the car. We've got them nesting in the front yard.
0: Yeah, I don't know if anyone else is faced off with a plover, but <laughs> you kind of go into this fight or flight mode when the plovers kind of put up their wings and they stare you down and they start making the run for it. And that's when your sympathetic nervous system activates, which is the fight or flight mode. And in my case, I'm going to run. I'm going to do the flight because I can't punch a plover in the face. <laughs> so when your sympathetic nervous system kicks in, um, the SNS for short, um, your capillaries all dilate and they allow for more efficient blood flow into, like, your heart so it can beat faster. it can handle the stress and um, your lungs, so you can breathe faster to handle that, and your sweat glands, so it's able to cool your body down when it overheats. So it equips your body to handle the stress that it knows is coming. <laughs> so that's one part, one example of when you get stressed. Another one could be, like right now, it's emotional stress. I'm a little nervous, my heart's beating a bit faster at the moment. Or if I ask Katie to come up right now, then... I'll activate her SNS, so <laughs> um, So it can be brought on with, like, emotional stress or if you've got an exam coming up, you kind of feel that like fear and your heart starts beating. There's no plovers around, so you don't really need it. But it still activates anyway. And um, with um, people sweating blood, um, it happens when their SNS is activated by stress or by fear, and it's to such an extreme extent, extent that um, the capillaries feeding the sweat glands actually burst and blood comes through. So a lot of the instances that they've recorded in the past, very rare, um, so, but the few that we could see, the few instances and cases, Um, Where people like um, soldiers going up to the front, um, they can start sweating blood and bombing victims or um, prisoners on death row, those kinds of things, or people faced with um, life or death situations. So like in the face of fear and your fear for your mortality, you kind of get this intense stress, intense fear. and just causes you to sweat blood because all the capillaries are burst. (laughs) And I think that's my science lesson over.
1: (laughs) Very good, Emily, well done. Isn't she beautiful? This is my my number two daughter. Praise the Lord, but she's still my favorite number two. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, I, I thought that was really interesting because as I was thinking about this, I was realizing what Jesus was going through was, was genuine, serious mental agony. He wasn't, um, he wasn't physically cut, he wasn't physically hurt. The only I have heard of one time of this happening, and, and I was talking to Tom Joyce today, actually, and his grandfather had uh, the, a two or three ton head of a combine harvester land on him on the top part of his body and pin him. And um, his sons came and they couldn't get him out. His back was broken. He was in extreme pain. And they had to use oxy to actually cut him free from this horrible situation. And during that time, he actually started to sweat, sweat blood. And you know, it's, it's extreme. Now, that was a case of extreme physical pain and fear for his life. But Jesus was going through extreme mental and physical, um, uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual agony. And I look at this and I think, wow, God, you went to the very extremes of every human emotion, everything that we suffer, you were acquainted with our griefs to the extreme. And everything that we suffer emotionally, spiritually, physically, he was crucified. He suffered in his body. The chastisement of our peace was upon him so that we don't have to suffer it. As I as I look at it, I just I started to get a little overwhelmed and realized um, the things that Jesus must have been thinking about. He knew what was coming. He'd stood on the on the Mount of Transfiguration and they'd talked about what was going to happen. He knew. He knew that his closest friends were going to betray him. He knew that the people that he loved. We're going to believe that his motives were wrong. You know, who hates it when their motives get questioned? Oh, it's just like a trigger point for me. Ooh, I can't prove my heart. It's just, ah, it really annoys me. Anyone else like that? Oh, I don't believe your heart. This is what's gonna happen to him on a national complete scale. That, that um, he was gonna be slandered, lied about, Um, He was going to be unfairly punished, unable, and uh, he was not going to, not unable, he was just unwilling to defend himself. My old mentor used to say, never explain. Your friends don't need an explanation and your enemies will never accept one, which I thought was a good, good piece of advice. He was going to be executed in the cruelest of ways. He was going to be rejected by everyone and he was going to be executed for the sins of the world. He was gonna take on the whole weight of humanity's sin. Ha, ah. he was stressed. Jesus was stressed. Jesus was in agony. And you know, some people, as it's very interesting as you look at it, in Matthew 26, um, Verse 36, it actually tells us that Gethsemane was the place where there was the oil press. And he was being pressed. He was being crushed like the olives were being crushed. It's, it's fascinating to look. I'm gonna read it to you just briefly in the Passion Translation. It says it here. Then Jesus led his, left his, led, his, led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. He told them, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took Peter, Jacob and John with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. That sounds like emotional stress, mental stress. That sounds like deep grief, deep sorrow, deep Possibly fear if he's acquainted with our griefs. Jesus knows, he understands it. But the Bible says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Hallelujah. Throughout scripture, we're told, fear not. God wants to be the one who, having suffered in our place, wants us to be able to live free from fear and mental torment, hallelujah. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, my father, if there's any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important for I only desire to fulfill your plan. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. As you read about this, you know people have taught many different things, but I I had a look at Hebrews Chapter five, verse seven, which I thought was very interesting. Says here, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. That's interesting. Jesus had actually prayed to be delivered from death and it says here he was heard, yet we know the next day he did die And he did rise again, hallelujah. So what was all of this about? I I think possibly as you look um, in the scripture, it says he felt like he was going to die. That's how much pressure he was under in the oil press. Have you ever felt under intense pressure where you've come to the place where you feel like you're at breaking point? Well, Jesus found the breaking point he was pressed to the point that his physical body started to break down. And we know the effects of stress on the body can cause physical breakdowns to happen in our body. We know that stress can cause sickness and all sorts of things. But the good news is Jesus went through it so you don't have to live it, hallelujah. You may experience trouble but he says don't just Take it like a man. He says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. This is how he overcame the world. He went through the valley of the shadow of death. So you and I don't have to fear any evil when we do. Hallelujah. And then it says, if you read it in the Passion Translation, it says it like this. During Christ's days on earth, he pleaded with God, praying that with passion and tearful agony, that God would spare him from death. And because of his perfect devotion, his prayer was answered and he was delivered. Now, whatever your interpretation and your understanding of what Jesus was going through, it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. The cross had a purpose. But in the garden that night, as he was under intense emotional, spiritual, mental pressure to the point, to the very breaking point where his capillaries were breaking and not just a little bit, to the point that the blood was great drops of blood dropping onto the ground. If Jesus had that level, of mental anxiety and agony and pain and stress, is there anything you or I are going through that Jesus doesn't want to be your peace for? There is never a time or a justification for you to have to carry stress, agony, anxiety, fear, worry, concern, deep sorrow. Hallelujah. He says, Cast your cares on me, because I care for you. His delight is that as we take communion, when he says, surely I have borne your griefs and carried your sorrows, he speaks as one who knows. He knows. There's been no slander, no misunderstanding, misjudgment, no rejection, no abandonment that doesn't compare to what Jesus went through. What he went through was so, to the extreme of every situation you've been through, he gets it, he knows, he's been there, and he's conquered it. And now his delight is to give you the ability to walk in supernatural peace continually. Hallelujah. So the reason I didn't wanna take my little piece of bread straight away as I started to have these thoughts was, I want to really understand this, God. I, I've got this, I, get, I can cast my cares on you, but as I began to really study this out, I began to sob and cry and realize, oh God, there is nothing I feel There is no worry, there is no grief, there is no agony, there is no fear, there is no dread, there is no anxiety that I have that you aren't willing to take right now from me so that I can walk in perfect peace. Sometimes I take communion a few times a day just as an opportunity for me to remind myself, hey Catherine, those thoughts don't, remi- don't belong in your brain. Pick up a piece of bread, remember, 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 surely you bore my griefs. Okay, God, thank you, Lord, that I know in this world we have troubles, but I'm gonna take heart today. I'm not gonna bear this burden because you told me, you commanded me to cast my cares on you because you love me so much, you don't want me to live a minute in unnecessary stress, worry, fear, or anxiety. There is no mental disease that can stand against the power of what Jesus has done. There is no mental disease that the blood of Jesus hasn't already paid for. The power of the living God is to set you and I free that we might lay hold of continually, deliberately, and uh, in a manner that we are fighting continuously for to live intentionally in the peace that he so paid for with such agony and with such um, perseverance. The heart of God is that you would live in perfect peace, peace that passes understanding perfect peace. Jesus didn't want to die before he went to the cross, but he was at the point that he felt like he was going to. God gets it. So he was like, deliver me God. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews that God did so that he could go through it. Hallelujah. God has perfect peace for you and I. Today, don't allow yourself to be trapped into the, the, the trap of carrying unwanted visitors. Because they are, there are demonic things that come to try to draw you into living in spaces of fear, worry, anxiety, and torment. You don't have to put up with them for any length of time. You can tell them in the name of Jesus you have to go because he has surely borne my sorrow and I'm not gonna entertain you for a moment. I am going to cast my cares on him. I refuse to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I will make my request known to my God who hears me and the peace of God will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, hallelujah nothing is impossible what does it look like to live free from fear what does it look like to never have to lose a night's sleep over anxiety worry what does it look like to be so able to consistently cast every care on him, to live a life that's disciplined, to recognize every rogue thought, cast it down and reset your mind on things above, that when people talk to you, they are overwhelmed with the sense of supernatural peace and supernatural joy that you carry. God's heart for his people in this hour is that we would walk in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That we would have godliness with contentment and be able to live in a place where we have the freedom in our brain space to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to do next. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. You are a good God. Jesus, we're so deeply grateful. We're so deeply, deeply, deeply grateful. Father, I pray that each one here, Lord, would take this and apply this word, and that they would not live a day this week with unnecessary weights, fears, burdens, anxieties, but that they would take those fears, those anxieties, those worries, every time they come and talk to you about it, release it to you, cast them on you, and apprehend what you have apprehended for us. That is, to live in perfect peace. Father, I thank you that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you've experienced fear so that we don't have to live in that place of fear. You've experienced agony so that we don't have to live with agony, but we can give it to you when we recognize it. Father, thank you for perfect peace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Well, we're gonna ask our teams, if you would, just to um, hand out communion. And in a little while, we're gonna take communion together. I'd encourage our communion group leaders, as you do that, to encourage people to, to cast any fear, any anxiety that they have intentionally and deliberately onto the body of Christ as a a tangible reminder. I like, I visualize it. Sometimes it's a crumb of a worry, sometimes it's a whole big chunk (laughs) coming out of me and going into the, the body of Christ. That's how I visualize it. So, and I feel the relief as I by faith remind myself, I'm not gonna carry the weight of this emotion, I'm gonna cast it on him, hallelujah. Ha, thank you God. Hallelujah. Does it make sense to you? I pray that it will be of help.
0: Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au God bless.